Everybody happy tonight? Amen. Can you say with me, Tutti Frutti? Sunday. Where else are you going to go and hear a message called Tutti Frutti? You tell me. <laughs> That's because what? That's right. All right. We're going to look tonight at the fourth name for God. How many of you are enjoying this series? I'm really being blessed by it. This one tonight is so strong. I tell you, I love the Word. I love the Scriptures. Uh, we were listening to one of my favorite teachers on the way here, and um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know him if I told him to. He's in a local church in, in Wichita Falls, but I really like him. And, um, but he was talking about how one verse can open the world to you. He said, you can look through a knot hole, and if you look through a knot hole just right, you can see a whole mountain range. And there are some verses that just open up a world to you. Well, when it comes to the names of God, just one name opens up a world to you. So I'm going to put this up here. If some of you in the further back want to move up, you're free to do it. You don't have to. But here is a front row, and I promise I won't spray on you. <laughs> and I won't stare at you. If you want to come down here, that's fine. But uh, some of you can't see real good from way back there, so feel free. Let's read this psalm. It talks about the name of the Lord. Let's read it together, can we? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And what's that name on the end of hallelujah? Yah. That's Jehovah. All right? Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him. O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for He is gracious and lovely. Well, there is a, three verses talking about praising the name of the Lord. So we're going to talk about one of those names tonight. It's the name Adonai. Can you say with me, Adonai? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for building our faith, strengthening our walk. We thank you, Lord, that as we come to know better your names, we'll know you better, understand you better, and know what to expect from you better. Open our understanding, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, will you offer a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Adonai, and be seated. God bless you. All right. Everybody happy tonight? Have a good week? How many of you had a rough week, but God was with you? We're in that category. All right. How many of you had a good week, and you thank God that it was a good one? Smooth sailing. God bless you. All right. Now, so far, we've looked at three powerful names for God. Here's the first one. Elohim. That's the first name revealed, and it's translated God, all right? Jehovah is the second name by which God revealed himself, and it's Jehovah translated Lord, all caps. So when you see L-O-R-D, all caps in your Bible, you know that's Jehovah, Jehovah in the Scriptures. And then the third name is El Shaddai. We looked at that one last week. And that's translated God Almighty or Almighty God. In Elohim, God is expressed in the power and glory of His being and as the mighty Creator. The first chapter of Genesis is all Elohim this and Elohim that. He's creating the world. And so as the Creator, 
he was known as Elohim. Um, with Jehovah, we find God expressing himself as a God of righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Remember, in the name Jehovah is where we encounter a God of morals, a God who is moral, ethical, uh, who, who draws lines in the sand, and the God of thou shalt and thou shalt not, the God who gives us parameters. That's Jehovah. And then finally, with El Shaddai, he's the bountiful bestower of powers, gifts, blessings, and fruitfulness. And I love that name, El Shaddai. No wonder Amy Grant did a song on that one, El Shaddai. Remember that song? But now you come to the fourth one, Adonai, Adonai. Now, Adonai is translated in our Bibles by the word Lord in small letters. Unlike Jehovah, in all caps, Adonai, when you see Lord in your Bible, especially King James or an authorized version, you'll see Lord, capital L, small case, O-R-D. That's Adonai when you see it, as opposed to Jehovah, which is all caps. Now, it appears around, Adonai appears around 300 times in the Old Testament alone. Adonai, this is powerful to me, he Adonai confirms the existence of the three-in-one God, the Trinity, because almost always when Adonai is used, it's used in the plural when it's referring to God. And it means, my lords, my lords. So it's letting us know there is a plurality in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And so don't let anybody tell you there's no Trinity or no Godhead. There is. Uh, the Lord our God is one God. But when he was making man, what did he say? Let us make man in our own image. When he was calling Isaiah to be a prophet to the nations, what did he say? Who will I send and who will go for us? All right? So it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And when you are reading Adonai in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, it's in the plural. Isn't that interesting? So the Holy Spirit said, I want you to understand that God is a one God, but a plural God. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, Adonai can also mean Master, Sir, and Lord. But for the most part, it means Master. And we're going to see that tonight. He's your master, and he's my master. And that's what it comes down to. Not any riding the fence. You don't have one foot in and one foot out. If you're saved, he's Lord. And if you're not, he's still Lord. He's the master of the human race. Now, in Genesis 24, Abraham's servant, Eliezer, speaks of my master, Adonai, Abraham. So the word can also be used to refer to human beings. But you know what? When the word Adonai is used in the Bible to refer to a human being, it's always singular. But when it's referring to God, it's plural. So you have here in uh, Genesis, Eleazar calls Abraham his Adonai, his master but it's singular. It's also translated a number of times in the Scripture to mean owner. And I want you to catch that concept. Can I tell you a little, little secret tonight? 
you are not your own. You're not your own. You are owned. You have been bought with a price. We're going to get into that a lot more later on in the message. But with the name, and this is what I want you to catch, the name is telling us something about our relationship with him. Elohim talked only about him. He's the creator. Jehovah talked about him. He's righteous. He's moral. He's a truth teller. All right? El Shaddai talked about him. He's a giver of blessing. He's a bestower of nourishment. He carries us. But when it comes to Adonai, it's telling us something about us and him. That is our relationship to him as master and owner and Lord. And man, I'll tell you, if only Christians all over America could just get a hold of what this name means, just this one truth, he is Lord. Amen? Remember that old song, he is Lord, he is Lord? He's risen from the dead and he is Lord. All right. Thus the name Adonai, while translated Lord in Scripture, signifies ownership or mastership and indicates the truth that God is the owner of each member of the human race. He owns everybody. You say, well, Pastor, what about somebody that's not saved? He still owns them. Else how, how can he make their knee bow and their tongue confess that he is Lord when he returns unless he does own them? Our God, Adonai, claims the right, the total right to the entire human race. Nobody can escape Adonai. That's what it's telling us. It is the truth that God is the owner of every member of the human race, and he claims the unrestricted obedience of all. Adonai. Abraham understood this meaning of ownership really well. When God approached and said to him, fear not, Abraham, I, Adonai, am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And how did Abram, before he was even Abraham, how did he respond to him? Lord God, Adonai, Lord God, Adonai, what will you give, give me seeing I go childless? When Abram used the name Adonai, he was acknowledging something very powerful. He was acknowledging God's complete possession and right to all that he was and had. And that's why we've got to understand, here's a nugget of truth for you tonight. God is also Adonai to, to us. He is our Adonai. And what does that mean? When we realize this, we understand we don't own anything. He owns it all. We're only stewards. That's what the name Adonai fills us in on. It's our relationship to him. So, Pastor, I own my car. Do you? I contend that God lets you have it. Well, I own my house. It's paid for, free and clear. Paid it off. Hallelujah. Called brother so-and-so on the radio and told him. What's his name? Ramsey. And we all shouted, I own it now. Do you really? I contend that you don't own your house. God has allowed you to be there. Say, well, that's not really true. I'm the one that worked and paid it all off. He gave you the strength to work. And he gave you that job. And guess what? You wouldn't be here tonight if he hadn't given you breath. Adonai tells us, uh-uh, 
I'm the master, and I'm the owner, and I'm the Lord, and everything you have is a stewardship, not an ownership. It'll change your whole life if you move from the concept of owning to being a steward. If I understand that I'm a steward and I'm going to answer for everything God's allowed me to have, then I take care of it in a way that I would never take care of it if I felt like it was mine to destroy. He owns your body. He owns you. That's what Adonai is telling us. Powerful stuff. When God called Moses to deliver his people from Egypt, he responded by saying, Oh my Lord, Adonai, I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech. And again, he says after God's reply, and I get this one, My Lord, Adonai, send someone else. You ever felt that way? Have you ever gotten into a little bit of ministry and decided, hey, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Lord, send somebody else. But here's the deal. When God lays his hand on you to do something, do it. Because Adonai can tell you to do what he wants. That's, that's the message of this name. Adonai is Lord. He can tell you to do what he wants when he wants to for how long he wants to. He's Adonai. Everybody say amen or oh me. This is supposed to be a blessing. Y'all are looking at me all real serious like, well, I just want to be a free agent. I just want to be independent. Can I tell you the truth about something, church, and those of you listening by radio? Nobody's independent and nobody is free. You're serving one of two masters. You're serving the devil or you're serving God. Jesus said that. You cannot serve two masters. You will cleave to one and hate the other or love the one and hate the other, but you can't serve two. But what he was saying there is you're going to be serving one or the other. Nobody is a free agent. King David frequently used the name Adonai. When God told him that his throne would be established forever, here's what David replied. Who am I, O Adonai Jehovah? Who am I, Adonai Jehovah? And what is my house that you have brought me here? And what can David say more to you? For you, Adonai Jehovah, know your servant. Jehovah means Lord. Adonai means master. David was literally saying, you, my master Lord, have done this in my life. You know what? We could all wake up tomorrow morning and we could lift our hands and say, you, master Lord, have given me life, saved my soul, and given me a future. You, my master and Lord. The Psalms are also filled with the use of Adonai. Here's some examples. Psalms 97.5 says, He is the Adonai of the whole earth. What is that saying? He's the owner of the whole earth. What does the other psalm say? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalms 114 verse 7 says, The earth is bidden to tremble at the presence of Adonai, its Lord. Powerful stuff. Adonai, says Psalms 135, is above all Elohim or gods. Adonai is above all other gods, all other things that people call gods. Adonai is above them. And the psalmist also asks Adonai, his master, to take up his cause and defend him against his enemies. Adonai, my owner, my master, I'm being attacked. Would you handle my enemies? 
And do you think that Adonai handles your enemies? You better believe he does. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Amen? So here's David saying, Adonai, I can't handle these people. They're bigger than me, stronger than me. This is a greater enemy than me. But they're not greater than you. Adonai, fight for me. And he does. The Old Testament prophets were often commissioned for service by Adonai. It's after his vision of God as Adonai that Isaiah was launched into his stellar prophetic career. Watch what happened. When King Uzziah died, a time of national crisis and darkness came upon the land of Judah. Uzziah had also been Isaiah's king. And it is then when he gets news that Uzziah, this righteous king, had died, that the prophet records these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, or I saw Adonai. That's the Hebrew word. I saw Adonai. And what did I see when I saw this manifestation of God? According to Isaiah, this Adonai was seated upon a throne. He was high and lifted up. The train of whose robe filled the temple and whose glory covers all the earth. He was surrounded by fiery seraphim, rare angelic creatures. When Isaiah saw Adonai, it was breathtaking, stunning, startling, shocking. He said, man, I saw the glory of God. And I'm calling him Adonai. Wasn't Elohim? And it wasn't El Shaddai, and it wasn't Jehovah. It was Adonai. Now, following a time of repentance on Isaiah's part, he heard a voice saying, read it with me, everybody, would you? Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Now, notice, there you go. That's Adonai, us, plural. Who will go for us? And this call came from Adonai. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, can you imagine the creator of the worlds being focused on one man where the plurality of God, where Adonai is focused on his calling? Do you see how special one person is to God? And you're that special to God. One person. That, that the God of the universe would focus this way on one man. Everybody say with me, I matter to God. Let's try that again. I matter to God. Bump your neighbor and say, wake up. Be startled. All right. Now look at this. Uh, likewise, the timid Jeremiah answered his call to service by saying, Ah, Adonai, Jehovah, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. My master and my Lord what are you doing calling me? I can't speak. And I'm young. Go find somebody eloquent. Have y'all realized that God doesn't look at what you have to make his decision on what you can do? A lot of time, God looks at what you don't have. And you get picked because of what you don't have. So that no flesh can glory in his presence. So he will call you. Uh, 
you've never shined in anything before in your life and suddenly God calls you and before you know it the Spirit of the Lord is using you in a way you'd have never guessed or imagined and that that way God gets the glory not many mighty not many noble not many whose whose are called that no flesh would glory in his presence amen now throughout the Old Testament those who know God as Adonai acknowledge themselves as servants now look at the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are some examples, and Moses. Over and over again is referred to as Moses, the great man of God. Is that what they called him? Read it with me. Moses, the servant of the Lord. Scripture reveals prophets, priests, kings, and all God's people acknowledging themselves as his servants and recognizing his right to command and dispose of them according to his will as the Lord of their lives. This is what is suggested by the name Lord or Adonai. He is our master and we are his servants. And I've got to tell you, I think this is a concept that needs to filter into the church a little bit more. I'm so thankful we've got a lot of servants in our church. We've got a lot of servant-minded people. Something has happened to the church in our generation. Here's what's happened. There's been a flip-flop. People used to walk into a church and say, I want to help make this a better church. Whatever way I can help you, let me know. I'm here to serve. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest generation gave birth to the worst generation. You know who they are? Mine. The boomers. So well, don't run your own generation down. Well, I don't totally, but I do in part because we're a bunch of spoiled brats. Our parents fought a world war, got us delivered from Nazism and communism, gave us freedom to do what we wanted. Dr. Spock came along and told my parents, don't whip them, don't spank them. Just uh, let, them, let them find their own way. And then in the 1960s, we all decided as a generation to rebel against all authority, to question all authority, to not respond to authority with respect or honor. We went our own way. We went off into sexual immorality and drug abuse. And our generation, as I'm talking to you right now, have four times greater likelihood of dying of substance abuse than any other uh, age bracket alive on the planet today. We became addicted to drugs. We became addicted to alcohol. We became addicted to sensuality. And as a result, we don't appreciate what people have done for us. We have a sense of entitlement. You owe me instead of me owing you. And all the baby boomers walking around in the 60s with the long hair and the flower children and smoking their joints and drinking their alcohol and having their free sex that wasn't really free at all, that brought all kinds of STDs into the world and all kinds of heartbreak and tragedy, that generation has now put on suits and cut their hair. But they think the same way. They think the same way. And we gave birth to children who are kind of like us too. And they need to be delivered just like we do. And you know how you get delivered from that kind of an attitude? You serve. You serve people. Now, I'm just, this is just free. This is not in my notes tonight. You serve people. 
And you know how hard it is to get boomers to serve anybody other than themselves? Now, boomers have done good things. The boomers came along, gave us computers and all kinds of technological advances and all kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, discoveries and, and, and business stuff and, and lots of good things that, that boomers did. But the, the attitude of boomers and the philosophy of boomers and the worldview of boomers is bad. It is not servant-oriented. It is, what am I going to get out of this? Now, boomers come walking into churches, and here's their attitude. Not, how can I serve, but how are you going to serve me? I wasn't planning on this tonight, but this is free, and you can chew the meat and spit out the bones, but I'm telling you, this is the way that, this is the way the cow chews the cabbage. Is that how, how that saying goes? Yeah. They walk in and they say, well, you know, let me check this place out and see how the kids are and see how the teens are and see how the bathrooms are and the parking lots are and the buildings are because I'm here to be served, not to serve. I'm too busy to serve. I got this going on and that going on. I'm making money and I've married a wife and I've bought a cow and I've got to take care of this and take care of that and make sure my 401k has got at least a million bucks in it by the time I decide to retire and I want my gold watch, and I want to do what I want to do. And they live a life that's all about them. That's why the number one best-selling Christian book or book period in the history of the world, The Purpose Driven Life, begins with four words. It's not about you. That rang a bell. And so Jesus comes into our lives. He is the ultimate servant. He came to serve, not to be served. That's out of his own mouth. He came to teach his servant, taking upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. We receive into our hearts a servant who wants us to learn to be like him, and we got a major battle going on. We're fighting the Holy Ghost, and we're fighting the Word of God, because I don't want to serve. I want to be served. I want a God who will bless me. I want a divine Santa Claus. I want to be able to say the right thing, and God jumps and gives me what I want. Hey, folks, let me give you a little revelation tonight. God is not here to serve us. We're here to serve God. And so it takes the Lord years to get this attitude out of some of us boomers and busters. Takes him years. Some of us never do get it. Go from church to church, place to place, relationship to relationship, marriage to marriage, all looking for that perfect ideal when in fact a lot of our issues would be solved if we'd serve. I can't tell you how often serving has delivered me has healed me. Uh, there have been so many times I was in a, a funk and struggling and, and, and just going out and ministering to somebody just made it go away. Amen. Serving people. Some of us boomers and busters will never get it, but for those of you who do get it, Adonai is for you. Okay? Wow, I'm going to listen to that tonight on the way home. I didn't pre-think that or anything. And I'm not mad at the boomers either because I'm one of them. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, do they have an attitude. Lord, help us. Now, let's look at Adonai in the New Testament. The meaning of Adonai as Lord in the New Testament or carries over into the New Testament. Lord and Master or the concept of Adonai carries over in the New Covenant. And I'm going to give you some powerful nuggets of truth about this, all right? First one. 
We are said to be not our own. We have been bought with a price. We belong to God who is our Lord and Master. We are therefore commanded to glorify God in body and spirit, which are whose? His. So you don't own you, you don't own yours, and you don't own your body. What was that old rock song? Um, It's my life and I'll do what I want. When you meet Adonai, that all flips. It's not your life. You won't do what you want. You do what he wants. But what he wants is what sets you free. Now look at this. Second, we are to understand what the will of the Lord is, our Adonai. If I'm his servant and he's my master, I'm to know what his will is. How can I serve him if I don't know? Why don't you say something with me? Find out what God is doing and go do that. Just find out what God is doing and go do that. Easy to see, isn't it? Now, third, Peter calls us children of obedience to him who has called us. And he tells us in 2 Peter 2 verse 1 that he, that is Adonai, is the master of who has bought us. When Paul the Apostle was first knocked to the ground, he wasn't knocked off a horse, don't know where we get that, wasn't any horse anywhere in the picture. That's free tonight too. All right, he was knocked to the ground, walking on his way to Damascus. He was confronted by Jesus Christ. And the first words out of his mouth were, what everybody, read it with me, Lord, Master, what do you want me to do? He knew he had met Adonai. You're the master, I'm the servant. What do you want me to do? When Peter was about to, when Jesus was about to leave and and ascend into heaven and and, uh, everything was about to really come to a head and he turned to Peter and he said, let me tell you something. You used to go where you wanted to go and do what you wanted to do. But the day is coming, they will take you where you don't want to go and they will do with you what you don't want done. Then the Bible says, this he said, signifying by what death he would die. Jesus was literally predicting to this man who had been a fisherman all of his life and done pretty much what he wanted. He said, it's all changing, Peter. You're going to be my bond slave. You're going to be my servant. And because of your testimony, one day you're going to be martyred. He turned around like a normal human and pointed to John and said, that's not fair. What about him? And Jesus prophesied again. If I will that he remains until I return, that's my business. That's reading you the riot act. That's the Lord telling you, what I do with you, I'm not going to do with the person next to you. And what I do with the person next to you, I'm not going to do with you. Everybody's individual and, and distinct in the eyes of God. And whatever he decides to do with you, he's master, your servant. I thought this would go over big, and we're going to have to cut out all this clapping. We're going to have to just edit out all this heavy clapping and sh- shouting and hollering and woo and Like a good servant, he tells us that when it pleased God to reveal his son in him, this is talking about Paul, when it pleased God to reveal his son in him, that he might preach him among the nations, look what it says Paul did immediately. 
He conferred not with flesh and blood, but went away in complete surrender to be alone with the Lord to prepare himself as quickly as possible to do his will. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 1. Paul repeatedly refers to himself as what, everyone? Jesus' bondservant or slave. Doulos is the Greek word, slave. He tells Timothy, quote, Christ Jesus, my Lord, my master, my Adonai, counted me faithful, appointing me to his service. He tells us that whether we live or we die, we are whose, everyone? Whether you're alive or you're dead, you're the Lord's. Here's another nugget of truth. As in the Old Testament, so in the New. God as Lord is represented as the one who bestows gifts upon and equips his servants for service. It says in Ephesians, he made some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I guarantee you this is true. This is the ministry of Adonai. All for the accomplishment. Why does he do that? For the accomplishment of his purpose and will in the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. I didn't choose to be a pastor. I would be insane to choose to be a pastor. And any pastor would tell you that because it's an impossible thing to do in your own flesh. I got tapped on the shoulder. Really, I got, I got grabbed by the scuff of my neck. And God said, this is, and you know what? I want to do it because that's his gifting on me. This is, I thrive on this. Have y'all caught that yet? I really do. I thrive on it. I mean, I live, I live to do this and I die to do this. But it wasn't my idea in the, in the beginning. It was God's idea. It was Adonai. Look at this. Paul writes these words, having these gifts from our Lord Adonai, let us wait on them and minister them as faithful servants with diligence. Now I'm going to take a second and I want to just tell you something you'll, you'll never forget. Ministry is 50% calling and 50% timing. I want you to say that with me. 50% calling, 50% timing. A lot of people get the call, they have no concept on how to wait. And so they don't wait. And a lot of times they miss their calling because they don't, we got to understand when God calls you, he equips you. And then he says, now wait, wait for my time. And that is, that is all ministry. He'll say, wait on my time. Don't you go out on your own. You wait. So any calling is 50% calling, 50% timing. All right. That's ministry. Now, Adonai is the one who gifts us. What he calls you to do, he equips you to do. In the Old Testament, God as Adonai or Lord is said to protect, provide for, and sustain his servants. He told Abram, I'm your shield. Luke likewise records that when Paul was in great danger, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer. Then here's another nugget. In the Old Testament, Adonai renders to every man according to his work. In the New Testament, Adonai is exactly the same. Every servant's work is to be made manifest. The test of fire is going to prove its worth. I don't have time to go into all of the, uh, the differences between the great white throne judgment and the judgment of the church. But I will tell you this, the great white throne judgment will, will judge every man, woman, and child that did not come to Christ whose names are not found written in the book of life. 
The great white throne judgment will judge the entire world and all of the history of the world and everybody that was ever on the world. But the judgment seat of Christ will judge Christians, not for sin, but will judge the quality of their works. Did what you did for Christ, was it for his glory? Was it pure? Was it, was it wood, hay, and stubble? Or was it gold, silver, and precious stones? Were you just playing church, being religious, going through the motions, and there was never any fruit and no lives were ever changed? One day, it's all going to be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. And if, and if it was just fluff, and I can think of a lot of fluff, if it was just fluff, fire from heaven will try it. And if it was fluff, it's going to burn up, just like dry timber. But if lives were changed for God, if Jesus was glorified, if you did his bidding, if you did what he told you to do, if he was glorified through your life, and I'm going to talk about this Sunday in Tutti Frutti, I'm going to talk about bringing forth real spiritual fruit. If that's what happened, it says that's gold, silver, and precious stones, and you are going to receive a reward that fades not away. Those are the two judgments. And what it's telling us here, this name Adonai, if it stands the test, it'll receive a reward. If not, it will be lost. Jesus said, to whomever much is given of him shall much be required. But not just his servants. And please hear me, all men are going to answer to Adonai. Whether they acknowledge him or not. A day of reckoning is coming that Jeremiah calls the day of Adonai, Jehovah of hosts. That's the day of reckoning that's coming. And that's the great white throne judgment. And that is when the whole world is going to be judged. Don't let anybody kid you. And don't let false prophets on television and radio lie to you. And don't be soon shaken from your faith by the words of people who say there's no hell, there's no judgment, we're all saved, everything's hunky-dory, you don't need to worry about any of that. That's false preaching. The Word says everywhere, all through it, there's going to be a judgment. And your works are going to be called before God. It's a day of vengeance. For Adonai, the Lord, will demand a reckoning from all his creatures. Christ alone will be our deliverance on that day. That's it. All right, the fifth one, we're headed to the close. In the Old Testament or the New to be the servant of the Lord is the greatest liberty and joy of all. See, that's the deal. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. But how is it that narrow road broadens into liberty and joy when you take that narrow road, the way of the cross that leads to life? We need lordship. How many of you can attest to that? Left to yourself, you'd wipe yourself out in a year or less. We need lordship. Our senses and our judgments have been impaired and distorted by sin. We need direction. We need guidance. We need authority in this world. We were born to worship and we were born to serve. 
We need Adonai. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, God and the devil, at the same time. Paul declared, don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness, you've got a choice. You can follow Christ and live or the devil and die, but there is no in-between. There is no fence. It doesn't exist. If you submit to the rule of Satan by rejecting the rule of Christ, you're going to find yourself under a hard, humiliating, and degrading taskmaster. But if you follow Christ, the ideal servant himself, it's going to adorn your service, your servanthood, with dignity, nobility, liberty, and joy. It's an honor to serve Adonai. Amen? Paul wrote, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. And the faithful servant of Adonai will one day hear the joyful words. Let's stand up and read them together, can we? Well done. Let's read it. Ready? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Let's thank the Lord that He's the master and He's the owner of all we are and all we have. But to serve Him is a joy and an honor and a privilege. A privilege to come under the submission to Jesus, our Adonai. Lord, I want to thank you and we thank you that the more we serve you, the more we want to. And the more we serve you, the more we come to know you. And the more that evil thinking of serve me and it's all about me is purged from our minds and we grasp the concept of servanthood. We experience your anointing and your presence. Thank you that you are master and our Lord. And Lord, as a church, we say, Lord, use us. Use us. Guide us. And help us to minister your life to thousands, even millions of people in the name of the Lord. Now, if you're not with every head bowed, if you're not under the lordship of Adonai, even Jesus, why not do it right now? You're serving the devil. If you're not serving Christ, it's that simple. Don't serve the devil. He'll burn you every time, but not Jesus. Take a minute and say, Lord, I want to serve you. I turn my heart to you. And you listening by radio, I encourage you right there in your car or your home or the hotel room, wherever you are, why not just breathe a prayer and bring an end to the civil war on the inside of you and give your heart to Adonai, even Jesus, and let him guide your life. Do it now. Don't hesitate or wait. By the time you're home, you can have peace with God.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight, can you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, next week.